You're listening to Work Human Radio. And here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back to Work Human Radio, pioneered by Globoforce. My name is Mike Wood. I am the social media manager here at Globoforce, and I'm also the host of the podcast. And I'm joined by Sarah Payne. And this week, we're going to be talking all about the future, right? That's right. I had a chance to chat with Jean Meister, and she is the founding partner in Future Workplace. And we talked about what it means to create a really great employee experience, uh, especially in this day and age when everybody expects a consumer type experience, even at work and even from their HR. Yeah, so Jean will be a speaker at this year's Work Human Conference, which is in a couple weeks um, in Phoenix. She is all about the future. So if you need a Nostradamus of HR, you go to Jean Meister. Um, well, she has a lot of research about what the leading companies are doing. So there are definitely some t- key takeaways that you can apply to your organization. And she's also speaking at Work Human coming up in a couple weeks. Great. And um, if you are a uh, late mover and you would still like to go to Work Human, there are still spots left. Um, you can go to workhuman.com, click the register now button, and if you put in the code podcast, you'll save 100 bucks. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our little glimpse into the future of HR with Gene Meister. So thank you, Gene, for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. So can you just tell our audience a bit about your background and your work with Future Workplace? Absolutely. I, uh, I've, I bring 25 years of experience in human resources working in a number of roles as a, as a consultant, uh, having also worked with Accenture. Uh, I am the author of four books, and the last two books focus on the future of work, the 2020 Workplace book, and my current book is The Future Workplace Experience, 10 Rules for Mastering Disruption in Recruiting and Engaging Employees. I'm thrilled to share that this most recent book is the Axiom Silver Award winner for the be- one of the best business books for human resource professionals. So our firm, Future Workplace, uh, helps and prepares HR professionals for how to deal with the disruptions in the future workforce and workplace. We're an HR advisory and network firm uh, gathering and convening and working with heads of HR, chief talent officers, and chief learning officers um, to bring them the latest research on what's happening next in the world of HR. Great. So definitely topical for our readers in HR and business. Um, And something you talk a lot about is the employee experience. Uh, Employers are focusing more on the experience at work. How would you say that's different than engagement and um, How can employers create a more meaningful experience at work? Well, first, employee engagement, uh, sort of let's focus on why engagement has been such a focus for years, right? So Gallup finds most recently 87% of employees worldwide are not engaged, but the companies with highly engaged workforces outperform their peers by about 147% in earnings per share. That's the latest from Gallup. Uh, So typically, employee engagement measures an annual engagement score where employees are asked to rate how they feel about how engaged they feel they are. And I believe what's actually much more important is for organizations to take a work which will lead to higher engagement. 
And that means applying design thinking principles to looking at the entire employee life cycle from recruiting to onboarding to developing employees to engaging them to in from and also from off to offboarding them and exiting them and at each step of the employee life cycle companies should be applying the principles of customer experience to the employee experience um, and so that that I think is the that's been the big new thinking and innovation, I would say, in the last 24 months. Um, and so I'd like to spend a moment in the book, we identified five levers to create this in compelling workplace experience using design thinking. So would you like me to go through what these are and, and how I see them evolving? Go for it. Yeah, okay, let's let's go. Um so so we so these five principles um of of how to cre how to create this compelling workplace experience really start with creating an emotional connection with the employee. And that's really having the employee answer the question, my employer understands what's important to me. Um and in the book, we um we identified a number of case studies of how companies are bringing these practices to life. And the emotional one was really uh, interesting in that the case study was SunTrust Bank, um, uh, headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. And SunTrust uh, did a really interesting survey on what's important to their employees in terms of financial literacy. And what they found was less than 40% had um, even $3,000 saved for an emergency, and they were really concerned with building their own financial literacy skills. And so what the bank did was they created not only a whole training program, uh, financial literacy curriculum, but really a movement, and they backed that financial literacy training program up with if you as an employee of SunTrust get involved and, and, and take these, these programs, they'll deposit um, money into your savings account. I think it was $250. But it was the recognition that financial well-being um, is really, in, so they understood, they put their finger on the pulse of what was important to their employees, and it was developing financial well-being, and then they did something about it and recognized and rewarded those that took their own time to build this financial well-being. So it's it's that kind of, you know, emotional connection. These employees are, you know, every time they they, you know, take out a, you know, a loan having gone through a, a financial literacy course uh, with SunTrust or when, after preparing their will, there was a module on that. They'll think of their employer and they'll be really happy that, that their employer really provided this financial literacy to them. I think that's really interesting because it also matches their purpose as a company, right? I mean, they're a financial institution and they're providing their employees with that financial literacy, which it matches their purpose as a business. 
Absolutely, and and the CEO um, I think says it so eloquently in that people respond well to a company that's bigger than themselves, right? And they they uh, they really were on um, a mission to understand what's important to their employees and do something about it. Um, and so I think that they're you know that really and and we're seeing with our own clients that what started out as physical well-being, right, and Fitbits and, you know, tracking steps and, and offering employees um, lots of opportunities to exercise and meditate has now really morphed into the well-being of the whole person. And it's not just your physical well-being, but, you know, financial well-being is another important component to that. So it, that's really important. The second one is learning, right? And that's that's near and dear to my heart, having written two books on corporate universities. Um, and and this one is the the um, the ability of the organization to provide on-demand learning in many modalities to employees. So really addressing um, the issue of my employer. Um, develops, understands how important development is. And, you know, in survey after survey of millennials, we find that millennials, you know, are really interested in the, um, the investment that a company will make in their career development. This is becoming one of the top three reasons to join an employer. But what companies are doing, they're actually going one step further. It's not just those old e-learning libraries, right? Um, many of the very forward-looking companies that I profiled in the book, like General Electric's Brilliant U Virtual University, um, they're, they're creating a Netflix-like experience in learning. So these, the learning, um, as, you, as you log on to these platforms, um, they know who you are, your job role, your career aspirations. They're intelligent about who you are as you go through the learning programs and, you know, you know experience whatever, either a, a formal e-learning course or a, um, a podcast like this or a read of uh, an article or a blog. You have the opportunity to rate it and comment on it, and then the platform might recommend other similar learning experiences for you. So I like to think of it as the Netflix of learning. That's what, that's what these forward-looking companies are doing because development is so important, and they're recognizing that they need to use intelligent technologies to personalize the development. The next one is really exciting and, and for, for my co-author Kevin Mulcahy and I, and that's the space, workspace. Um, as an HR consultant and professional for many years, I have to admit that I underestimated the importance of space to promote a company's culture. And uh, what we found was uh, really interesting uh, in the area of space uh, first of all, the importance of giving employees choice if, if when they come to the office in where to work based on their task that they're going to do. And in the real estate world, that's called activity-based working. Um, and the research from um, Steelcase finds that 
employees report being 88% more productive if they're able to mirror, if they're able to choose and select the space they want to work in based on whether they're going to collaborate, if they need focus time, um, private space, huddle rooms. And, and so as companies, what we're seeing is almost two ends of the spectrum, right? We're seeing companies invest heavily in redefining space so it does promote culture and values of the company. And at the other end, we're seeing a lot more employees um, working from home or working from many different locations because remote working is, so, is, is one of the other um, benefits that many employers are, are um, offering. But in both cases, it's all about choice not about mandating where you're going to work or when you're going to work, but giving the employee the choice. Well, it actually made me think of our new office in Framingham, Mass., and we have a lot of little nooks and crannies. Um, it's a very open office, but then we have the choice to go to a quieter space. And, you know, I'm a writer, so I really appreciate that because I need the quiet in order to focus. So I definitely see that reflected in our own culture. Yeah, yeah. And it's this recognition that um, people, people's working styles are very different and, uh, and, and giving people spaces to concentrate, to huddle, spaces to restore themselves, right, before they go home to their families. All really, really important. Um, I ask my uh, my clients to take a 15-minute walk around their space and see where people are working and where people and the spaces people are avoiding as a way to take the pulse of your own workspace and what you could be doing differently so the third level the fourth lever um, actually is technology and using the latest tools and techniques um, for uh, in, in the workplace. And one of the areas that I am personally super excited about is the intersection of HR and artificial intelligence. Um, I, I wrote a blog on that that's gotten a lot of, of page views called The Future of Work, the Intersection of HR and, and Artificial Intelligence. And what this is, is, um, is where companies are starting to pilot chatbots and these are algorithm interactive software programs that, are, um, that imitate a conversation with a, with a person. So we're, we often in our, in our personal lives are using chatbots, but we don't are exposed to chatbots, but we may not even think about it, right? And often um, we're exposed to them on Facebook Messenger. Um, and so in the, in the marketing world, chatbots are used very frequently to, um, to really, you know, create a more consistent experience. In fact, um, if you have the Amazon Alexa, I know that I have Alexa, um, it's purported that she has 3,000 new skills, believe it or not. <laughs> um, but, in the, but what does it say about HR? Well, there's a growing group of companies that are new venture-backed firms with chatbots with the names of Tala, with the names of Jane, and with the name of Micah. And um, these are all focused on the HR space in terms of recruiting, 
the whole candidate experience. They're focused on um, uh, the whole experience for answering HR questions that may traditionally have been asked in the HR service center. So the goal of using AI in, uh, in human resources is to provide a more consistent, superior experience for employees so the HR professionals in those specific roles can turn their attention to more strategic areas. So that, that's, a, that's a really huge trend, <clears throat> excuse me, that is just, just starting to happen, for example, in the, last, uh, in the last five years, the amount of spending in, in um, venture-backed spending in AI startups has gone from about $200 million to $2.5 billion. Um, so this is just going to continue to grow as companies really are focusing on providing the same um, level of customer experience to their employees. That's, that's sort of my headline for the book, right? Why is customer experience so important? Because companies want to mirror their best customer experience with their employees. I've heard some people even say, you know, it shouldn't be customers first, it's employees first. Absolutely, because in the end, that's what creates both more engaged employees and delivers a higher level of service and more engaged customers. So that, that has been, you know, really a new way of thinking um, in, in the last couple of years. And if you look at the research, IBM itself had done um, research with about 400 chief human resource officers, and over 50% have um, agreed that this, tr this is a huge transformation as we use more AI into HR, and it's really going to impact the recruiting function and the HR service center, uh, and, and actually also learning and development one of my favorite examples that was mentioned in the blog was um, the use of chatbots in MOOCs. And so those are massive open online courses. And now companies are using chatbots as teaching assistants to answer all those questions because we know that some of the very popular MOOCs can have several thousand, if not tens of thousands of people um, registered and enrolled, and they have lots of questions. And so in addition to using human teaching assistance, they're starting to use chatbots. So that, so that brings us to culture, which is the final lever. And that's actually where I see a lot of connection between the work that Global Force has done with IBM on the Employee Experience Index and our model here for workplace experience. And and really, you know, the connection that I see is that your own research found that, that workers that have a very positive worker experience, meaning they work in a trusted environment and they work in an environment where employees help each other out and have the freedom to decide how to work and where to work, right? And they found that workers in those types of positive worker environments have higher levels of performance. And so it's, you know, and this really speaks to the culture that an organization creates 
so that you can have as a worker these higher level of worker experiences. So Sarah, I know you were expanding that, that research for this year um, by, by jobs, by um, industry segment, and I think that, that is really important so that employees in one of these, you know, financial services or other segments can really get, you know, understand how they too can create these compelling workplace experiences. Exactly, and what we found is that the levers that companies can pull to create that experience, they really are consistent across industries. And, you know, something I'd, I'd like to ask you about is, you know, what do you see as, what do you see as those levers, um, and how do you think uh, recognition fits into building, a, you know, that positive culture? Well, I think recognition um, is part of making work more transparent. Right, and as we work in a, as we live in a more transparent world and work in a transparent workplace, um, there's the opportunity for um, for us to really see who's doing an extraordinary job, and and this this has all sorts of implications with recognition though, and one of the really fascinating ones is traditionally it's only been your manager right that has recognized you. And that, and your manager has recognized you in the form of any number of, of recognitions uh, that your company has or increased salary might be another way your manager would recognize you. But one of the, one of the big trends in the book is that as, as the pendulum moves from focusing just on individual development to, teams, to team development, we're beginning to see teams having greater impact into recognition. So you're being recognized not only by your manager, but by your peers. It's not only your manager who recommends uh, a compensation package, but now in some companies, your peers will be able to recognize you with a series of micro bonuses and crowdsource uh, compensation to reward some of the top performing team members. So this presents a really interesting um, Another interesting question, what's the role of the manager in this evolving workplace where the team is gaining greater um, power, if you will, to uh, reward and recognize other team members? And, uh, and one of, we, we actually had a, a future workplace network meeting on this, on this topic, and one of, one of the answers from our members was, the role of the manager is increasingly becoming to offer online, online co regular coaching and mentoring um, so that the team members can reach their highest level of performance. So, um, so leaders, people leaders are going to, you know, I think really have a different set of skills in this new work environment. I think that's a great point. And you know, as the role of manager and leader changes, how do you see this changing performance management, uh, especially in your clients and other companies that you research? Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, as today we see performance management is no longer annual and it's immediate. And it, you really, you know, the, the goal is to create, um, a, you know, to create something so that you can recognize and reward everyone immediately 
and um, this feeds into the needs of, of, of millennials, but also everybody. I actually don't think of it as a generational driver. It's anybody, regardless of their age, if they're engaged and committed to their work, they want instant feedback. So I think as performance management has evolved and morphed from being a once-in-a-year type of process to immediate and one where peers are giving feedback in addition to people leaders, then it, performance management just becomes another part of the workflow, which is what it should be, right? You, you, you know, you're doing your work and you're able to get immediate feedback on how that's going. Definitely agree. And uh, so I have, I have one last question for you which we like to ask all of our work human speakers, uh, what does a more human workplace mean to you? It means you're starting with creating a more human-centered approach to work. It means you understand the, uh, all the segments of your employees and you're, you're, you're working to uh, exceed your understanding what their expectations are for you, from you as the employer and you're working to exceed their expectations. And, in, you know, in a nutshell, you're applying the principles of customer experience design to create a more human workplace. So that's our interview with Jean Meister. She's from the Future Workplace. She's also a speaker at this year's Work Human Conference, which is in a couple weeks in Phoenix. If you would like to go, visit www.workhuman.com. In the meantime, if you'd like to stay up to date with everything Work Human, join our LinkedIn group, the Work Human Community Forum on LinkedIn. Just search for it. You'll find us there and you'll find up everything that we're talking about in regards to Working Human. Thanks for listening to Work Human Radio. We'll see you next week when we're going to talk to Lee Burbage. Sarah, you want to give us a sneak preview? Sure. Lee is the chief people officer at The Motley Fool, and it's one of the best places to work in the United States. Great. So we'll be talking to Lee next time, and we'll see you for the next Work Human Radio.